I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Uh, today, I'm here with Yamesh Deliwala. Uh, he's doing me the pleasure of being a guest on the podcast today. I were talking a little bit before recording started. I guess I'm, I'm one of the first few, so I, I feel honored. Thank you for being on the show, Yamesh. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, would you go ahead and just sort of tell people, you know, your background, what got you into real estate and, and where you're at at this point, and then we'll kind of dive in from there into, into whatever topics seem to uh, inspire us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, just uh, again, thanks, Jason, for having me on the podcast. I mean, uh, podcasts like this and the value that you bring, right, that's truly inspirational to a lot of uh, different players and a lot of upcoming players as well from a multifamily and just learning as such, right? So this is, this is great to, to give back to the community as a, as a whole, right? So with that being said, right, uh, Yamesh Jaliwala came into U.S. Uh, in 2000, early 2000s, and, uh, you know, uh, working full-time, uh, still working full-time um, as my uh, day job, nine to five at a technology firm. Um, but, you know, I come from a very humble background uh, from India. Um, uh, for the audience, it's a western part of India. It's a city called Ahmedabad. Uh, very humble beginnings. You know, I saw my parents. I'm the younger of the three brothers. And, uh, uh, you know, I saw my parents uh, every day hustle, uh, you know, growing uh, three boys in the household. Right. So it's always a it's always a hustle there. So I, I saw yeah, my like parents. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, my mom, you know, working really hard, my dad really wor working really hard and, uh, you know, always looking for those side hustles, right? So being young in the house, I was always present and I saw, you know, most of the, the beginnings in the house, right? You know, you, you always try to do something side hustle before the job, after the job, you know, uh, right. two jobs, three jobs, whatever, right? So I, I kind of saw that and, and grow into that. And that's where, you know, I wanted to, I set my uh, sight into a lifestyle that I want to be part of, right? Which is, you know, of course, there's nothing wrong with what my parents did. They had to do what they had to do to grow three boys. But now that we are here, right, I mean, I, I set my eyes into a lifestyle that I want to live, right, which gives me uh, the freedom uh, of doing what I want to do, right? It gives me, uh, puts me at a level of comfort where, you know, I'm, I'm not hustling for money, but I'm hustling for more quality of life, right? And uh, money is just, you know, it's, it's like, you know, strive for excellence and success will follow you. Uh, you know, so something in, in that uh, nature is where, you know, you, you strive for excellence in what you try to do, and then you're eventually going to be successful and to a point where you make enough living and you're able to live a comfortable life. So I don't want to go into like a, um, you know, obviously money is a factor, but then uh, living that quality of life, right? You know, just right. being with a family, freedom of, uh, you know, of time and what, where you can commit your time, you know, whether it is your uh, finances, your fitness, your family, your friends, you know, wherever you want to put your time in, that's the flexibility of it. Yeah. So, so that's a brief overview on that. Um, on the real estate side, right? It's a, it's a pretty interesting story uh, on how I came about, right? So uh, earlier 2000s, the, the moment I came into the United States, obviously, uh, you know, immigrant like any other immigrants in the uh, land of opportunity, right? So uh, a lot of opportunity in the, uh, I'm a uh, computer science graduate. So a lot of computer science graduates, uh, as you would do, you end up into an IT job and start working towards it. So one uh, with a knack of, uh, you know, looking at passive income, um, I was always on the lookout for something that where my passion would take me, right? So early on during the days, you know, I, while I was living in the apartment, I invested in a, in a townhome. So, you know, I, I bought into a townhome. So that was my first property back in 2005 that I signed up. It was a brand new construction. I was still living in the apartment. A uh, few months down the line, we moved into our own house and, you know, kind of go from there. So 
but between then 2005 to 2016 is when you know I'm, I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. So between then and uh, the 11 years following that, you know, I eventually uh, dealt into a lot of different uh, uh, single family homes, town homes, built my own portfolio uh, within the city and you know, grow my, grew myself with the city. So you know, right. that, that's how I built that. And in uh, 2019 is where, uh, you know, um, between 2016 and 2019, I did not invest in anything. You know, just uh, if you look up on the, the history of Charlotte market, you know, things started to blow up but to, a, to a point where it was not affordable, right? So or affordable in the sense of not enough cash flowing property, cash on cash, you know, all kinds of matrix that you can think right. of. And uh, so I, um, there was a, a gap or a hiatus of about three years where I was just contemplating, you know, just sitting with my assets, sitting with my money, um, trading in stocks. <laughs> but uh, 2019 is when, uh, you know, I, I got uh, uh, in touch and, you know, my partner, Hemo Badiani and I, so we, we have a firm now, it's called Exponential Equity, but we came together and kind of put our minds together um, you know, over a session where uh, we were a couple of friends uh, over a couple of drinks, you know, start thinking through talking about multifamily. And then uh, suddenly the light bulb clicks and uh, we're like, hey, you know what, this is a no brainer, depending on the numbers that you see and uh, what kind of uh, output that you can get and how you can systematically run this as a business. Right. It's not it's not your uh, single town home that you can uh, you can get hold of and then uh, you know, put all your eggs in one basket versus having a property that you can systematically manage as a business, work with several set of partners that you can, and then uh, kind of grow. So it was like a light bulb click, invested a good amount of time in uh, learning about it, and then I kind of jumped right in uh, head first <laughs> and uh, got into a bunch of properties. So that. So I'll, I'll pause here and, uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll go into the next set of questions. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, th thank you for, for sharing your story. I think um, a couple of really interesting things. I mean, you did th some things maybe that are different than what m most people might sort of expect. And I would say uh, probably smarter than what, <laughs> than what a lot of people do, but you said, you know, you lived in an apartment and actually invested in real estate as your first step. Right. Yeah. So I think that's, I think that's, kind of brilliant and it and I I think you know maybe t tell us a little bit about what your mindset was at that point you know kind of what why you did that why it wasn't like oh I need you know I need to have we need to have our own house our own place right. to live in before we buy something else yeah so you know the basic uh the, the way uh I had put my finances at least in, in the place there was um, you know, I, I put obviously anybody who is on a W-2 job, right, on a, on a day job, they always put that W-2 in front, right? So one of the, the topmost risk mitigation strategies is where, okay, there is no W-2 income. How is that going to work out, right? What, what are we going to survive on, right? So that's where the entire thought process of uh, passive investing came into play, right? So, you know, Apartment, you know, when I bought the first townhome, that was the exact thought process as to, okay, I have a W-2 job, right? And what am I doing to further myself to away from that W-2 job to get that time back for the family and also that financial freedom so that if, if God forbid, whatever happens, you know, and if I'm running out of finances on all angles, uh, you know, at least I can have some sort of income where, you know, I could uh, bring food to the table, right? So that was that was the thought process, and I wanted always wanted to start somewhere, right? So it was uh, at that point in time. This was back in early two thousands, and that's where you know I was in contact with a couple of my friends, and uh, they were they moved down from California. They had spent like decades of uh, their life living in an apartment over there. They suddenly yeah. come to North Carolina, and then they realized that hey, you know what? Um, the standard of living and the cost of living over there in California versus uh, Charlotte or Carolinas here yeah. is completely different. And now we can afford something. So first and foremost thing they told me is like, Hey, you know what? You need to start investing into real estate. So, and, and then, you know, like the way I am, I'm like, okay, no better way to start from than today. So we <laughs> went out right. into the market, uh, saw a bunch of new uh, communities coming up, 
saw an opportunity, put the money down, and we're like, okay, let's let's uh, let's take a plunge into it, right? So yeah. that's how I, I kind of that was the, the the story behind our first investment. Yeah, um, yeah, I love that approach, and I think it's it highlights a lot of um, things that you know maybe people don't people that aren't invested in real estate maybe don't realize what the sacrifices are that people will make to get to that level. You have to, you have to know it's a bit of a long-term game. And so, you know, but, but you have to start the game, right? You have, you have to do something. You have to take some sort of action to start yeah. that process, right? Cause it's a long-term game. If you never start, you're never going to get to the point yeah, where exactly. you see people If you want to play the game, you need to be on the court. Yeah. So exactly. the only way you yep. need to be on the court is where you get in the game and start, you know, you figure it out, right? That's another yeah. thing that, uh, you know, so, but yeah, I mean, that's, uh, uh, that's what my background has been from the, from yeah. the first investment at least. And, it, and I think, you know, it, it, in a lot of ways, when you're your first investment, if you're investing with your own money and things like that, you're buying, you know, single family or a townhouse or something like that, it's, it's maybe easier to, take that risks and learn the ropes before you get to the point of where we're, you know, we'll talk about multifamily syndication and things like that. But so you, you started at a level where you're like, okay, I want to get going. I'm going to take this risk myself, which as you mentioned, probably honestly, isn't any more risky than working for someone else in a job that you could lose at any time. Right. So it's kind of like a, a, I think it's some, some really important, you know, messages that, that maybe people don't realize. Um, another thing that stood out to me there is the, the timing of this. So you, you bought the first one before the housing market crashed, right? And then kind of up, apparently rode that wave and, and got through that well. So how did, how did that shake out for you? I mean, I know, uh, you know, the 2008 market crash was, was hard yeah. for a lot of people, uh, investors that started at that, you know, started beforehand. I know, you know, in, in the early 2000s, they would give, I mean, they gave me a house with, like, they gave me a mortgage with basically no money down. And I, like, I didn't really have anything to show for it. And they're like, yeah, sure. Of course, here's your, here's your mortgage by this house. And it was very yeah. easy to do. Um, worked out well for me, but I, and it seems like it worked out well for you. But what was your experience during that time? Yeah, so I had, uh, so this is, uh, you know, bring back some uh, amazing memories from that back in, uh, back in those days, right? So this was, like I said, it was a new construction. So what I did was, uh, and I, one smart thing I did on, during that part of time was I did not invest in a single family. I invested in the townhome. Mm-hmm. So relatively less exposure when it comes to insurance, right? So you, you are covered with a master insurance. So you just got to protect yourself from property and personal property insurance. That was not a big hit. And you obviously pay a little bit extra from the HOA standpoint, but that's not a, uh, compared to what you have, if you have your own single family where you would maintain your lawn and and a bunch of other things, right? So that was, that was first aspect. The second was, I really studied the market back in the day. So this is still, we're talking about Charlotte, right? So Mm -hmm. Charlotte has been, we're knock on the word, has been growing. Uh, from forever, right? Until the time that I've seen it. Uh, and we, like I bought in a place where that area was really growing. So when we uh, hit the downturn from a housing market perspective, obviously the, 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 um, the values went down. But at the same time, we had the possession at a time where people would not be able to afford a house but the same people who had good families, they want to get their kids in a good school, they would opt for uh, not a high-end apartment, but a decent enough town. So that's where we were fortunate enough to get a, a series of tenants where, you know, we had a longevity as, as long as like three years, four were sticky tenants towards that property. And that kind of helped us sail through where we were not making anything on the on the rent itself from a cash on cash or cash flow perspective, but we rode the wave, um, you know, to yeah. get out of uh, the, the, the downturn. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah. that you, now that you brought up, right. I mean, in 2006, uh, or late 2006, we also put money down on our, uh, our primary home, which was about five miles from where the investment home was. Right. So this was again, a, a six to nine months of construction period. And that's where the whole downturn also happened. And, uh, uh, you know, I was laughing because uh, during that time before, right, right after the closing of my primary home, I also lost my job. 
So I was fortunate that uh, my wife was able to uh, kind of pitch in and, and take over uh, yeah. some of the financial responsibilities. But then uh, it, it brought back some good memory as in, uh, you know, I was looking, obviously I was staying home. I, I st- stayed home for about three months uh, trying to look for a job, of course. And then I found something where, uh, you know, we, my wife and I were sharing one car and she had to go take that car. She was working out of Atlanta. So she would take okay. that for the whole week. And then I would be all by myself here. And then I, when I got a job, then I had to be at somebody, a colleague's place. And then I would bike to my colleague's place. And then we would uh, hitch a ride. I would hitch a ride to the office. It's, it's funny, though, when you are in a car, you don't realize how five miles look like. But when you are on a bike, uh, yeah. especially on a bike that's, uh, you know, on a cold day of zero degree temperature, right? I mean, you just yeah. go out there, yeah. you, you freeze yourself. But those are, uh, I'm sure everybody has, uh, has their days. But what I wanted to convey was, you know, even during that time, I had the drive, right? So which is what is very important and, you know, for, for the listeners as well as to what keeps you going, right? I mean, the, you know, apt to the name of your podcast, right? Know your why. So, you know, mm-hmm. what, what is your why? And that's, that's where the whole upbringing comes into place and what you have gone through and what you have suffered or what you have uh, been through. It kind of shows into you and you see your true potential. And that's where it's like, hey, you know what? All my life, I've seen all, all things coming along, breaking, breaking apart, putting back together, breaking apart, putting back together. Yeah. So, you know, and what makes you going is, you know, the drive. So for me, it's the drive, right? So the drive to do something different, drive to have a good lifestyle, drive to have freedom for my family, you know, and then eventually we're we're going to touch upon that, but also drive towards a good fitness level <laughs> as well. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, the biking to work, and we'll, we'll probably talk about this, but the biking to work may have been the beginning was, of your tri- triathlon. Uh, <laughs> right, right, right. And it, at that point in time, it was not cool to bike right. uh, to, <laughs> right. to the work. Right. Yes. At that point, it, it wasn't good. I mean, it, it, and actually, uh, it, is a, it is an interesting point, you know, sort of that you're your talk about there. So my wife is from Charlotte and I'm, yeah. I met her cause I moved to Charlotte. So I moved to Charlotte in 2008. Right. So I, but I moved to an apartment. So I largely didn't, I saw in my, in my workplace that the caseload went down, but I didn't have that sort of house. I had essentially, I had sold everything that I had bought, you know, mm-hmm. maybe got a little bit lucky, but I had sold everything I had bought before the crash and then moved down to to Charlotte with, and I didn't own anything at that point. So I, I was lucky enough to avoid, you know, major losses there, but, but you do bring up a really good point in the sense that it's, it's market and asset specific, right? So Charlotte, when I, although, like I said, at work for a little while, our caseload was down, Charlotte was booming. I mean, it was growing and it's still growing, right? It's like a, a, a growing very much. And that's what it looked like. You, you didn't look there and say, oh, this is a, you know, a city that's crashing. It was like <laughs> getting yeah. bigger and bigger, p- tons of tons of migration into Charlotte. And then your, your point about uh, it, it being a townhome and how that sort of fit into that niche of people that couldn't afford a house, but didn't want to necessarily live in a small apartment. Yeah. It's just very interesting because you hear people talk about, oh, well, you know, investing in townhomes and condos, that's not the way to go because those lose their value the most in a downtime or, you know, this market doesn't work. That market, it doesn't, I I think that you just have to do your own market research and do what's going to work for you. And and you sort of, I think your story there really proves that point where you survived a downturn and and yeah, as you said, maybe it wasn't cash flowing rents go down a little bit, but okay, give it time. And it, and it comes back, right. If you're seeing a growing market, you know, everything's going to come back. So then, so then kind of what happened, we got, uh, we got through that downturn, were you still kind of purchasing assets through that, through that time until you started to think, I know you had that sort of three-year hiatus, but but take us through that timeframe. Right. So hindsight, I should have done that, right? (laughs) We we all should have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, now that I think of, I should have probably invested all my money if I had that or yep. whatever I had that at, yep. at that point in time, but I did not. Right. So I pushed my brakes on. Right. And um, kind of 
kind of went back to putting the basics together, right? So settling uh, in our new home, you know, getting getting ourselves situated as a family. So, you know, I've been very lucky. I, my wife uh, uh, and I, we, we went to college together back in India, right? So this okay. is where we have shared pretty much all our life together about 19, 20 years, married for 15 plus, right? I lost the count. I think when my wife sees this, she's going to kill me. Um, but uh, it, it's been that long. Right? And uh, uh, we kind of go lockstep with each other, right? So, you know, she took the baton when, when I lost my job, right? So she took the baton and, and worked her way out. She went to Atlanta all the way to kind of do back and forth, whatever was required. Yeah. But point, point being, you know, we then took a pause, you know, get, get, got ourselves situated in our house up until from 2007 all the way to 2010, right? So that's where, um, you know, we, uh, we got ourselves settled. And then in 2010, things started to come back up or, you know, looking better. Um, and then I, I got myself into a consulting job, right? So if you're familiar with IT consulting, what that means is, you know, uh, get to uh, travel around, uh, work for one of the big four companies called Accenture, um, Accenture uh, Technology Consulting, Management Consulting Forum. So I got into that and got an opportunity to work for several clients and, uh, you know, go around places and, uh, you know, build my um, acumen from a uh, from my day job perspective, right? Yes. So that was between uh, 2008 and 2010, you know, we got that situated. So I didn't really put any money, did not put any thought. My assets were still there. I also had a, between between eight and about 2012, I also did a couple of stints on uh, uh, some of the other uh, ways of making passive income uh, with absentee ownership as, you know, some learning centers, some retail centers and all of that. So I okay. played my hand in a bunch of things uh, during that, uh, that five-year period. And then back in like 2013 and 14 is when I jumped back in again in real estate, right? Which okay. is where I saw, hey, you know what? Things are not going as expected from uh, uh, from the other side of the businesses where I went. I mean, obviously, you, you, you are the sum of all the mistakes you make. Right. And then uh, yeah, I made a bunch of mistakes. Uh, can't can't disagree with that. Right. And uh, I shouldn't call it mistake. I'll call it lessons. Right. You know, every yeah. lesson. Learning you know, some opportunities. Of were, <laughs> some of them are, were learned at a, a cost of five thousand dollars. Some of them were learned at a cost of fifty thousand dollars. Right. But yeah. those were yeah. costly lessons that I learned. And then eventually ca- came back and I found my niche. And uh, uh, what I did over there was I, I cultivated good relationship uh, as Charlotte was growing, as you saw, there were a lot of new communities building, right? So what I did was I partnered with one of the one of the builders in the area, and I kind of outright built a good relationship where I said, hey, you know what? Whatever you build, um, whatever units that are allocated towards investor, those are mine. So you just you build wherever you want to build. You just tell me in the community. So typically, so I I found my niche on the townhomes. So that's what I targeted. Mm. And uh, so in the townhome build, they build by the pad, right? So they build one foundation and they build five or seven or eight within that. And then yeah. they, the CO process goes through and typically builder by builder, they uh, define it. But in a, in a pad of like seven or eight homes um, that they build, they typically allocate about 50 to 60% to residential owners and about 40 to 50% in investment homes because right. they don't want the community to be filled out as fully investment home, right? right, right. So uh, it, that happened and I'm like, hey, you know what? Everything you have, Justin, is mine from an investor standpoint. So that, I between 2013, late 2013 to 14, 15, and 16 is when I grew. I went with the builder, wherever they went, I took all of them. If I am able to take mortgages and, and get into it, I would do that. Otherwise, I would pass it on to my family, my friends, and they would jump in and say, hey, you know what, let's uh, jump in. So so between that period up until 2016, I, I kind of built my portfolio of my own townhomes uh, that I was running. And one of, the, one of the things that I always believe in is, you know, you cannot be jack of all trades. So you have to let, you have to partner with the right people so that you can focus on where you are good at. Right. Sure. So d- from day one on the property, uh, the, the first property that I bought back in 2005, I um, got the property manager to manage the property. 
Okay. And I took that cost as, hey, you know what? This is the cost of running the property. There's, there's nothing, you know, I'm going to make a le little less on the cash flow, a little less on the returns. That's okay. That's, hey, do I have time to go and attend to the tenant's problem? That was, that's, that's how I equate it. It is in a six hours worth of time in a month versus, you know, yeah. hundred bucks in the fee. I would rather give that hundred bucks, right? right? So that's how I equate it. So between then and in 2016, I, I still have my same property manager from back in that day and we share a great relationship. But yeah. over that period, I, I, I kind of uh, uh, gave all of the property management to a property management firm. So that, that worked out really good. Um, up until 2016, and, and you know, if you know about Charlotte Market, after 2016, things started to to go uh, way off. Where uh, your cash flow numbers, cash on cash numbers, yeah. and uh, things were not making sense. I would say people were still making money, but you are you are not. There are only primary uh, few ways where you can make money. You can make money with a good purchase price, right? right. The purchase price were always off the off the roof, yeah. and then uh, you know you can. Uh, based on the purchase price, how much rent you can command, right? Typically, yeah. the, the, I follow a 1% rule. It says, hey, if it is a $250,000 worth of a house, can you get 2,500 in rent? Right. If not, then that's not equation, it's not gonna fit. And then whatever yeah. you do, at the end of the day, you might have like a five bucks for Starbucks coffee. That's yeah. pretty much, and then, uh, yeah. you know, you, had, you, uh, you enter into a huge risk with, you know, let's say if the tenant skips for a month uh, in the year, basically has have, uh, wiped out everything that you had for, for the whole year, right? Yeah. So, so that's what uh, uh, up until 2016, then after 2016, I stopped doing that. So uh, yeah. I'll pause there from, uh, from the timeline perspective. Yeah, so how many, uh, how many of those townhomes, I mean, I think that was uh, sort of brilliant to connect with a builder and just say, I, I, want, <laughs> I want everything you have that's yeah. you know, allocated for investors. That's, that's great to form that, that sort of partnership. So how many did you end up with in terms of townhomes? So at some point I had, uh, with various partnership and everything, I had about 15. Okay, okay. So, great. and then in 2019, I got rid of a few. Um, and then I still own the rest of it. Okay. So about awesome. 12, 12, uh, 11, 12, I own it. Okay. I'm, I, again, I, I do know the Charlotte market. I'm sure that the, even just the equity that you've built up in those has, yeah. Yeah. And, is, uh, is great. Just, uh, from a financial standpoint, right. I just, you know, I refinanced all of them and all my cash is out. Those are now on cruise control. So, you know, we, awesome. we get what we get. So. Yeah. And then I took that money and invested somewhere else. So that's yeah. typically for any investor, uh, they would probably follow the same path. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, a similar uh, kind of journey that people have, you know, sort of as they grow. So, okay. So then you took the, the years off, those three years off because prices got sort of a little bit unmanageable. And, and then what? I know, uh, you know, you probably had a little bit of a shift there in, in 2019, yeah. it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's where, you know, I, I was always on the lookout for, you know, what's the, what's the next best thing, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that uh, makes sense from a number standpoint, right? I mean, I, yeah. we can emotionally get into any kind of business we want, right? Then, you know, you want to you make sure that you put the emotion out of it and look at practically on the numbers and say, hey, does yeah. this really give me a return? It's not a return in the future, return in, in the form of some other form, I mean, how much money or how much cash on cash I can bring, right? I mean, mm -hmm. that's, and uh, I looked at, uh, uh, you know, quadplexes, duplexes, um, you know, smaller multifamily, um, all of those. But then again, the numbers were not making sen sense. And at that point in time, I was not um, privy to all the, the I, I did not get myself equipped with the no right knowledge to kind of drive yeah. those conversations, right? Okay. And then uh, obviously during that time, I was also building my family. So, you know, we, uh, I got two beautiful daughters uh, that I have. So, you know, we were kind of having the fun of our life and, um, you know, with parents and everybody around us. So it was, it was a kind of a fun time up until 2019 is where, you know, we, uh, uh, we were at a friend's house, you know, everybody, you know, drinking our hands and, uh, back of the cardboard is where uh, my partner now and a buddy in our life is Himo uh, Badiani. And we, he and I and a bunch of other friends, he's like, hey, why don't we get together? I got something to show you guys. And um, 
we we took down it was literally a cardboard box an amazon cardboard box flipped around turn around we took a marker and he started drawing and telling us all about all the classes all the return type syndication this that and then i was two drinks down and i'm you know clarity in my mind and i'm i'm, I'm looking that and i'm like where was i or <laughs> why is it coming to me right now why is it right, not coming right. why, where was i three years ago when, when things were completely different at that point in time. Yeah. So again, you know, the, the way I am, I just head first, uh, you know, right after that meeting, uh, talk to him all. And I'm like, Hey, you know, let's, let's do the next thing. So we kind of enrolled in a bunch of, uh, um, you know, training programs, workshops and got ourselves equipped for a good amount of a year and then, uh, started plunging into multifamily deals. So, um, you know, did a, a few, LP deals, a few GP deals, and now we are, we're operating on our own. Okay. Okay. Great. So, um, and, and did it sort of go in that order? You started as LPs and then, you know, kind of got yourself into the GP side of things? Yeah, exactly. So what we did was we, we attended a several conferences, right? So conferences and boot camps, right? Mm-hmm. And what we learned was, um, you know, more than uh, obviously, you want to play the game, you've got to be on the court, but at the same time, you need to know the players that you're working with, right? So right. Uh, what we realized, and most of the listeners will also realize that multifamily is a team sport, right? So you, if you are a rock star, which, you know, everybody is, but you will be at some point needing help, right? Yeah. And if you acknowledge that right from the beginning, then you can focus on the areas that you can work on and then work with the partners where they can bring their expertise, right? Yeah. So that's the, uh, that's the uh, lesson that we took right from the beginning. And we started to forge some good relationship, right? And what that would mean is uh, uh, we, we wanted to put our own money, right? So we wanted to learn the game, right? So this is where we, um, you know, I had, by that time I had changed my job from Accenture to a local company, right? So that's where I wanted to um, get myself more, uh, present uh, to to grow my business. So that's why I changed my job. So I had a, a fresh uh, part of my 401k money, right? So I did uh, move all of that into self-directed IRA and put that into the LP deals. So, and still has it, it's, it's still there. So that's, that's the plunge from an LP standpoint. And what we eventually did was all of those LP deals, we kind of understood the, the structure of the deal, understood the various moving pieces in the deal, right? And, and establish a niche where you can bring value, right? What is the point where you can bring value? I mean, are you good at acquisition? Are you good at you know, investor relation? Are you good at operation? Are you, mm-hmm. What are you good at, right? So it, it kind of uh, working through those deals kind of help us identify and that's where we uh, kind of, when we formed the, our, our brand and our company, Exponential Equity, uh, that's, that's where we wanted to make sure that we bring the complementary skills, right? Just so that we gel together. So, you know, that's where you would see him all uh, going out from an investor relation perspective, marketing perspective. And then you will see me on, the, on a little bit of a back, back burner where I take care of, more of most of the operations, asset management, that kind of thing. Okay. So we kind of, Force that right partnership. So along with the two of us, we also kind of partnered with the several other uh, players within the multifamily market and uh, forced that relationship and built that right network. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, a very important, I think, component of especially multifamily yeah. um, when you get into the syndication space is, and I think, you know, kind of listening to the whole story, I, I feel like there's been a bit of a theme, which I think is an important one, is sort of forming the right partnerships, right? So you, even right in the beginning, you talked about just with your wife, right? So right. just having that, the right person by your side where when one of you has, one of you is down, right? You, you lost your job, she, she picked up the slack and then, you know, you kind of just, you be there for each other. And then that same thing applies to business relationships. It's, right. it's you know, home relationships, business, all, all of those partnerships, it's all kind of the same stuff. You just have to yeah. you find those right people and it's going to make everything easier and more achievable. 
to, to, you know, have that support system in place. And, you know, like you said, it said it best. It is a team sport when it comes to syndication, but I think, you know, marriage and and raising kids and all it's all of it is it you can't doing it alone is is you're not going to be nearly as effective so um seems like you discovered that (laughs) discovered that very early in the process uh in terms of what's what's needed there so um maybe tell us a little bit about your portfolio at this point where are you at i know you said you still had i think 11 of the uh townhouses left and yeah so i still own and operate those townhouses Uh, it still works with my property management company so on the multifamily front like i said we got into uh, lp deals three separate lp deals right so put my money into that Uh, then we became uh, co-gps where we were capital partners and then helping out in boots on the ground and asset management side of it Mm -hmm. on three other deals right so that's that's the progression that we took right so this is, and you'll be fascinated with the timeline, but this was starting April 2020, which is at the start of uh, start of COVID. So yeah. uh, at the start of COVID, we invested in our LP deals. Uh, September 2020 was our first co-GP deal, right, which we okay. closed. And then uh, from that point onwards, uh, our recent close uh, was a 246 units in Winston-Salem, where we are the sole operators on that one. And we are in the process of uh, closing of 460 units in, in Houston, where again, we are the, the sole operators on that one. So between Fantastic. then and now, um, and uh, uh, also we'll, we'll dabble a little bit into the new construction side of it as well, because you know when you play the game, you play the game on the court with all the various uh, um, you know, levels that you have, right? So this is where we kind of plunged into not only on the value add side, but yeah. also ground up development. So okay. I'm, we're, I'm engaged in a couple of ground of developments uh, as well in uh, multifamily asset class, uh, storage unit asset class as well. So we're, we're kind of doing a bunch of things just to make sure that we want to, you know, scaling was one of the things that we wanted to achieve. So you know, yeah. this is our, our direction towards scaling. But as a, from a portfolio standpoint, I think we're right around 800 units, about uh, close to about 100 million in uh, uh, assets under management. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be closing on the 460 soon. And, you know, we'll, um, you know beyond that, we, we have a couple of uh, other places where we are into ground up development as well. So it's, it's, it's exciting uh, so far from yeah. 2021 and into 2022. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> for anyone who's listening, doesn't realize that's an incredibly fast <laughs> scale. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's amazing. So, um your so many questions about that so your i guess the the lp side of thing i think the progression makes sense right lp then your co-gp and now you're you're being the primary sponsor um when you let's maybe let's talk a little bit about you know sort of the capital raise side of it because that's a lot of that's a lot of capital to be raised on that many units and uh obviously in a short period of time. So how did you kind of, I feel like for myself and a lot of people I've spoken to, that is one of the hardest components when it comes to uh, multifamily syndication. So how did you sort of tackle that uh, in, in terms of, you know, capital raising for these, you know, now your, your deals are getting bigger and bigger very quickly. Yeah. So a couple of aspects, right? Like any, any syndicator you would talk to, right. They would, they would have tapped into the, friends and family first, right. Right? right? And that's where you build your credibility, right? So you, everybody goes by your word, right? If you say, hey, first question I, I would get asked is, are you putting your own money or would you put your own money? Mm-hmm. And if I am hesitating, that means, you know, I'm, I'm not uh, being honest and open uh, right. to make them aware of the risks that are associated with it, right? So that being said, uh, risks are even crossing the road has a risk right but then you know we we gotta uh, disclose that risk and you you understand what uh, comes with it right so with that being said i think the, the first uh, uh, point of our uh, what do you call approach was from a friends and family uh, perspective right so this is where you know both himal and i come from a consulting background like i said right so mm-hmm. we were as part, part of being accenture right we we always helped in uh, formatting the strategies and 
you know, building, uh, you know, scaling services and building teams across the globe and things like that, right? So that's where we kind of, um, uh, taking a cue from that, what we did was eventually started building our own team as well, right? And what the, the way we started was, we started that with a, with a foundational brand, right? So we invested, you, you see a lot of uh, uh, new players, what they would do is they would first start acquiring properties and then build a brand. So what yeah. we kind of went, against the grain and we said, hey, you know what, let's let's build our brand, right? Which is which is us. Yep. And what we bring to the table and how what kind of fiduciary responsibility we have a lot of, you know for our investors. Um, and we build that brand. So we invested heavily in our brand, right? So if you you uh, all the listeners go to our website, they find a lot of content as to what we had done, right? You know, we wanted to establish ourselves. So we built that brand. We build our team around it, right? Um, getting our team together, um, and with that, we let the brand do the talk, right? So, and then you know, it, we kind of proceeded ourselves in terms of where we went and how we projected ourselves, right? So that was one on the brand side. Second one was getting our, ourselves out there, right? So with the help of brand and the networking, and then we also started to build some good relationship with brokers. Right and getting ourselves out there. Right, so our name was getting out there. A lot, lot of people started to know, uh, get to know us. That hey, these guys are up and coming. You know, really doing well in there. So that's where our name came in. And then once we, uh, once we started putting together the deals that we were doing, right. I mean, we looked at it from the lens of investor. Right, being an LP myself, you know, I would put, you know, wear my LP shoes or LP hat and just jump right into and ask all sorts of questions to him all before we even uh, make it public for, for our raises, right? Hey, what's, what are the catches, right? You know, what, you know, everybody wants to sell the deal, but there has to be some uh, downside to it, right? Sure. Are we upfront and, um, you know, are we, are we telling everything that investor needs to know, right? And, and, at some point, we also had several deals in our pipeline, right? Where we, we were raising for three or two or three different deals. And at that point in time, I would disclose it very openly to all the investors saying that, hey, I have three deals. This deal works this way. The second one works this way. Third one works this way. I would let you choose what is your risk appetite and then, um, you know, build, uh, uh, invest in that property. So, what what we did with that was this eventually brought in trust, right? So you know that's that's yeah. one of the big components when we when it comes to the investor, right? They know that you are going to be responsible with your money, right? So there are type of passive investors where you know you once they write you a check, you know the next time they come is they're going to write you a bigger check, and then third time they won't even talk to you; they will just send money, and then you'll be yeah. you'll be done with it. So yeah. that that's eventually that's our goal, and to a certain extent we have achieved that but we're still learning in that space and we want to uh, make the most out of it. But that's, those are the three things, you know, from a building the brand, building the team, building the right network so that we get ourselves out there and then uh, putting the right foot forward and thinking, putting the hat of a, an investor and looking at each and every deal, evaluating that and presenting it to the investor. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. When, so you did all this during COVID. So yeah. how did you, Obviously, networking was a bit of a, a challenge right. during that period. I mean, was this just all, you know, kind of friend and family referral types? Or right. did you have other ways that you were doing outreach and things like that? How did you handle that? So, and I'll be, I'll be, I'll be honest, I, I have been traveling during COVID as well. Right? So I've been fortunate uh, to have good health uh, for me and my family, yeah. right? So, and, and uh, uh, you know, given the state of our business, right? You know, we, all the deals, like, you know, for one of the deals in uh, Lafayette, Louisiana, were boots on the ground. So we have to get there every quarter to prepare a report, right? So inevitably, till the time when it was closed, uh, up until now, which is coming up next month, I'm going to be there, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's a, that's a job that is, uh, so, you know, masked up, shielded, uh, whatever you call it, I was there, uh, Himo was there, right? So we were there to, to do the duty, right? So, and um, through the online platform, through the friends and family, through these, you know, the events itself were not happening. 
but the deals that we were part of, we were part, part of a network itself. That's how we were investing with our uh, network. And then, um, you know, that, that kind of organically grew and you know, like the way you were saying, right? It's a, uh, you know, finding the right partnership. Yeah. You know, it's, we term it partnership as management, right? So you, once, you're, once you are in a partnership, it's, it needs to go on. <laughs> so you need to right. find those right partners. And we kind of build those uh, offline relationship, online, you know, getting on the calls, getting on the Zoom calls, have continuous communication between the partners, uh, online, offline, in person, and then it started to, uh, you know, and then eventually, you know, for, from past few months, things have drastically been different and been more face-to-face, but that was the primary way we, we did it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so what's, what's next for exponential equity? Sounds like you've got this, uh, very rapid growth. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's, uh, what's, what's the plan? What's the, uh, your, your, I guess, so long-term we- goals. Yeah. We have, uh, you know, in the, in the terms, uh, terminologies of, uh, uh, you know, all of the, the self-improvement books you follow, it's a terminology called BHAG, right? Which is a big, hairy, audacious goal. Mm-hmm. So our, our big BHAG is a billion dollars asset under management, right? Um, in the next two years, right? So we're, we're at 100 and uh, we recently acquired our, in the process, we got it under contract. Um, uh, 154 acres worth of land um, close to Charlotte. And uh, we have a plan to, to develop that all uh, from a mixed use perspective, yeah. retail, single family, apartments, townhomes, you name it. And one good thing about that is um, the city is very helpful, right? So that's, our, that's one of the big plans, right? Yeah. We got several uh, pockets of um, uh, land where we are building townhomes. So that's another uh, project. And then the third one is uh, you know, we got ourselves uh, into a self-storage uh, unit development as well. So that's coming up in the next uh, four months, I would say. So we're, we're going to be venturing into that as well. Okay. And eventually, you know, long, from a long-term perspective in that billion dollar asset uh, under management, one of the other aspects that we want to do is uh, we want to be vertically integrated. Right. So right now right. We're, we're partnering with uh, a lot of different uh, players in, the, in terms of you know, property management, construction mm-hmm. management. Uh, we want to bring all of that in house. Right. So uh, we, we are developing our arms across. Right. So now we're a team of uh, eight right now. Right. So we have our own acquisitions team, um, investor relations. Uh, we also have our construction management, land development team, right? So that's what that's how we are growing, so that we can uh, kind of encompass and start. We're eventually looking at building a property management, uh, you know, bringing in a property management arm, asset management and property management. So it's uh, organically growing into a into a vertically integrated company, so that we can all, you know, um, it all gels together, stays together, and it kind of builds a good story. For somebody who is coming in, where you know that you know you you can uh, you can go to this particular entity and they got you taken care of, right? So yeah, yeah. Right from the beginning. I think that vertical integration is very appealing, uh, but it certainly takes you have to reach that inflection point where you have enough you know units or assets and whatever you want to call it. You have to have enough to to have it actually make sense. Right. It. You guys are getting there so fast, I think that it makes total sense for you to have, you know, start thinking about it in terms of, you know, just having everything under one under one entity or one one roof anyway, you know, that kind of is in terms of management and development and all of that. So that's I mean, that's that's great. You're very, very, very uh, impressive. Um, I'm <laughs> I'm quite. Yeah. And in a nutshell, you know what? what and just from a analogy perspective, right, we're. Uh, I come from a technology background, right? So, you know, you see a lot of startups coming in. So what, what we treat ourselves is a startup, yeah. right? So we're going to be really aggressive in terms of what we want to do, right? We have a, a, a vision where we want to achieve what we want to achieve, right? And we're, we're putting all of those um, objectives in place and measuring ourselves at the right point. Are we getting there or not? And then you know, course correcting ourselves to go somewhere else, you know, that was not the right place to be. And that's, that's, that's the way we are treating ourselves to be nimble and agile, right, in a technology term. But at the same time, you know, keeping ourselves 
uh, geared geared towards that objective, uh, the long term objective, and treating ourselves as a startup, right? So you uh, fail fast, right? That's the motto. If you want to fail, fail fast, so that you know, and then you can make a correction to it. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah that makes a lot of sense. And did you said that you're still working your W two job through this? I still I am still working on my W two job. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a very busy guy, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it no, that that's that's great. Well, then I, I better not take up too much of your time. Then um, there's a there are a few questions I like to ask everyone during uh, each episode, and so I think we can dive into those. And I think some of it we've touched on a little bit, but um, the name of the podcast is Know Your Why Podcast, and so I think that sometimes people's why is evolving, right? It's not, it's maybe not the same when you're 20. It's not the same when you're 30, when you're 40, whatever, or just at different stages in your life. So maybe you can just speak to, to what is your why at this point, Yamesh, that's, that's sort of really driving you. I know you said you've got that yeah. uh, big audacious goal, which is phenomenal. And I honestly feel like that will, you'll probably beat that goal, but the, <laughs> but the, uh, what, what, what drives you in terms of, you know, your why yeah so and uh, you brought up a good point i think my why has evolved over a period of time right like i said you know come from a very humble beginning right so getting getting um getting by on the life right you know getting food on the table Mm -hmm. and uh, from that point onwards to getting ourselves uh you know parents working towards getting ourselves into the right education and and getting us to the point where we are right you know I've, i've seen pretty much everything that has to has to be seen and my why event in the in the beginning was towards the money, right? So you know, hey, I need to have, right. I need to be in that comfort zone where I can say, hey, this is this is working out for me. From that point, it evolved, and you know, now towards, uh, you know, money is a part of it, but a lifestyle, right? So am I able right. to dedicate my time towards what things I wanted to do, right? Is it fun, family, fitness? or, uh, you know, friends, right, or finances, right, so those are the F's that I follow, and, uh, and Emma, where, where is my time equated, right, so this is one of the mentors that I follow, he kind of put it out there, he says, like, fun, family, finance, fitness, and um, friends, right, so uh, where you take your day down, and put your day into all of these, you know, uh, why are you spending time here, or you can, you know, so, so that, with, with that in mind, you know, my why has evolved, and with the keeping all of those apps in mind, I, I kind of uh, graduated into a lifestyle. Right? What kind of lifestyle do I want to live? Right? I want to be available for for my family. I want to go enough vacations where you know I can truly spend time with my family. My kids love going out, so that's that's one of the uh, one of the things. And then uh, um, the now my why has evolved, where you know I'm I'm trying to build. Uh, my family and trying to bring them in at the, at an early age. So my kids are 10 and seven and uh, I'm ingraining them with that. Hey, this is, you, if you want to do a nine to five job, that's your choice. But if you want to work, like, you know, you, you want to have the freedom of time, you want to follow the, what you want to pursue and you want to pursue like, what you like, or, you know, you love what you do or, or you'll have to, uh, or it's the other way around. Um, you, you you start loving what you do versus uh, I forgot uh, the train of thought. But eventually, what what I'm trying to get there is uh, my next step is to get my family in, my kids in, to, as a, yeah. at an early age, um, bring them in the business and make them evolve in the business. Have have them learn because that education is not provided anywhere, unfortunately. Yeah. Totally, um, totally run a business. So, you know, that is my, uh, in addition to their schooling and everything that they're doing, I want to teach them the, the basics of the business as well. So that's, that, that, that is how my why has evolved. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I a hundred percent agree with that, you know, sort of the legacy component of it, right. It's not even so much, I don't, it's not about like handing your kids a, a pile of money. It's, it's really about teaching them how to sort of, do what you've done and create that freedom, the time freedom and the, and just, you know, sort of being in control of your own life and lifestyle. So I think that's, that's amazing. Um, Well, I kind of think I know the answer to this one, but tell me a little bit, tell me 
tell the listeners something that maybe people might be surprised to hear about you, uh, whether that's a hobby or a special skill or something. I, I feel like I might know what you're, but you could surprise <laughs> me too. That'd be, that'd be fun. Yeah. So, you know, going by the theme of uh, what I've talked earlier, right. Getting head first, right. Jumping into it. Uh, fitness was one of the things that I realized at the age of 39 that I'm not fit. Right. So the first, the, the next thing I know is, uh, you know, I signed myself up for a, for a half Ironman, right? So this was, uh, you know, anybody going through their, you know, call it a midlife crisis or whatever. Uh, but it was my 40th year and I'm like, hey, I need to do something that has never been done before. So, uh, or at least challenge myself, right? right. You know, what is my uh, limit that I can test, right? Uh, so, you know, I, uh, for the listeners, uh, a half Ironman is 70.3 miler distance where you swim for about 1.2 miles. Uh, in uh, this was in Wilmington, North Carolina. So this was uh, next to an ocean, uh, a bay next to an ocean. You swim for about 1.2 miles. You then uh, go on a road bike for about 56 miles. And then uh, you run a half marathon towards the end and you do all of that back to back. So <laughs> this yeah. was uh, this was a thing that, uh, you know, I, I jumped into it, you know, head first and, uh, you know, never swam before, never rode a bike, um, always did a walk. So mm -hmm. never ran. So this was, again, a challenge that I took in and I'm like, hey, you know what, this is something that I'm going to do. So jumped right in and I finished the race. That was my goal. So yeah. I was not timing myself, but I wanted to go through that finish line. So which I did. Yeah, that I mean amazing that <laughs> I have done a couple of sprint triathlons which is a far cry from the half Ironman it's it's right. a you know half mile swim and uh I don't even remember short yeah, short distances comparatively yeah, yeah. I, I registered uh well I, call me crazy but I registered for 2021's race as well yeah so you know and then uh with my story I got uh, uh you know a few of my friends motivated as well so we are now uh a pack of six people uh, going into that same race and none of them have done anything. So, you know, they're like, if you can awesome. do it, we all can do it. So, <laughs> and, and it was an ocean swim. This... It was at a bay next to the ocean. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So salt water. Yeah. yeah. I don't think, yeah. I think probably a lot of people don't understand the, the actual level of difficulty that that is, but I, I do, I, I found that the swimming was by far the hardest part yeah. of a, I mean, you can kind of get on a bike and pedal it. You, you'll be sore, but you can get on a bike and pedal it. If you don't keep swimming, you just drown. So there's, there's a component to, to that where you really have to push yourself. So, so uh, very, very impressive. Um, Imesh, let's, uh, we'll, we'll put everything you want in the show notes, but kind of tell people how they can reach you. What, what's the best way to kind of get in touch? Yeah, um, absolutely. So yeah, my website, you can always reach me through my website, exponential-equity.com, right? Uh, um, you can also email me at yamesh at the rate exponential equity.com, right? And uh, one, of the, one, of the, one of the whys that I did not go into was also give back to the community. So I'm engaged in several different ways to give back and being as part of the podcast and receiving any questions is one of the uh, means to do that. So please feel free to connect with me. I'll be more than happy to uh, give you any information I can and I'll be of any help. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Final question is what advice would you give to someone? I want to say who's was a little behind you, but I guess we have, we have to talk about maybe just the, the early 2020 you, what, right. what advice would you give to someone who's, you know, sort of getting, getting going and what they, uh, what you would suggest that they do? Yeah. So one of the things that you would know is up until you don't know what you don't know, it becomes, it looks difficult. Right? Because you are in a territory of what you don't know that you don't know. Right? But once you start learning, you start to know about things and then you start to put the pieces together. So number one thing is find ways to equip yourself with the right knowledge. Right? If that means listen to the podcast, listen to it. Right? Audio books, YouTube videos, um, getting in the right meetup groups, you know, masterminds, if that is required, right? Surround yourself with the company that is going to, you know, elevate you towards the next level where you want to yeah. be. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of listeners have uh, heard about that. But on the basic ground level is, you know, compared to what 
where we were in 2005 and seven. Right now, there's a lot of different means where information is important, yeah. right? Yeah, and knowledge is important. So take advantage of that and just plunge in, keep learning because that's that's the goal, right? You know, find ways to keep keep learning and keep going. Yeah, yeah. Learn learn something every every day if you can. I think uh, and and great point in the sense that you you can't say that the information is not available. Yeah. Right. There's there's a myth. You know, there's a million podcasts. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be mine. It can be either there's podcasts out there. There's uh, so many books now on these topics. There's so many uh, mentorship programs. There's so many good people like yourself. that are just willing to talk to people about what they've yep. learned and, and kind of uh, help share success. It's, it's all about, I guess, that abundance mindset where it's, you know, it's yeah. not really, it's not really a competition. It's that, you know, we, we all want to see each other succeed. Like yeah. I, I'm very excited to hear your story and, and honestly very excited to see what, what the next year brings and I'll have to get you back on the podcast again because I imagine there's going to be a whole lot more to yeah. it. So yep. um, yeah, this, is, this has been a fantastic uh, conversation, Yamesh. I really, really appreciate your time and having you on the podcast. So, so thank you so much. Thank you, Jason, for having me. And yeah. uh, it was a pleasure to be on the podcast. Thank you.